Wait a minute. This isn't my world. Disappointed! Yeah, there weren't even 6,000 people in the stadium. It was totally empty, and yet they were raining mm -hmm. booze on Carson Wentz. So sad that some fans could barely keep it together. What up, Philadelphia and all the Eagles fans around the world? What's good? It's another episode of Scotty Talks Philly Sports. Yes, I know, man. What the hell happened against L.A., man? 37 goddamn points. Um, man, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I thought our defense was going to be better than this. Jesus um, that defensive line is a no-show. I'm wondering what's going on. We, we get no pressure on the quarterback. We don't draw up any blitzes. I don't know what Jim Schwartz is doing. Our linebackers are terrible. Everybody in the secondary outside of Darius Slay, they're, they're, they're replaceable. Uh, I mean, these guys are not playing, you know, like what we expected coming into this season. And if it continues, you will continue to see the same results. Um, obviously, Carson Wentz, not the elite quarterback that we we know and love. I mean, where did this guy go? I mean, this guy ended the season last year on a hot streak, you know, before getting knocked out of that playoff game. But, um, yeah, seems like the pressure is mounting up on Wentz's shoulders, Doug Peterson's shoulders per usual. Um, the Jalen Hurts pick did not help. But let me, you know, that's enough of giving the overview of the game. I mean, you guys watched it. I know it was painful. We don't even need to, you know, talk too much over it right now. Um, I will be joined by a very special guest, one of my favorite, you know, Philly sports guys, uh, my good buddy, David Esser, you know, my editor over at Section 215 of Fansided, uh, also a host of the Bullpen Blues on PSN, Philly Sports Network Radio. Uh, be sure to check that out. Um, also, of course, remember to like and subscribe to the video. Um, still fighting for that 125 subscriber mark so I can give out this Darius Slay jersey via fanatics.com. Uh, Darius Slay's been nothing but a CB1 so far. He has not been disappointment. And uh, I know, I know I, I, I'll take as many Darius Slay jerseys as I can get. So uh, go ahead, uh, subscribe to the channel. I'll go ahead and get you entered in that drawing once we hit 125. But uh, yeah, check out this cool episode with my man, David. We got to break down the Rams loss um, and, you know, kind of just where the Eagles are, you know, at this stage in the season, as well as moving forward. What's the future look like for this team? There's not a lot of stars on this team, but uh, we'll we'll get we'll get into that. We'll dig into that. Um, thank you guys for checking out the, the podcast and uh, stay tuned. All right. I want to welcome a very special guest to Scotty Talks Philly Sports for the first time. I've been waiting a long time to get him on the show. Uh, my editor from over at Section 215 of Fansided.com, um, David Esser. So uh, he also hosts his own podcast uh, on Philly Sports Network Radio uh, called Bullpen Blues. If you want to go ahead and let everybody know what's going on with that over there with you and KD. 
Yeah, Scotty, first of all, thanks so much for having me on the show. It's been a minute since we reconnected. Super excited. Uh, the podcast is going great. You're doing a ton of great work over here. But yeah, Bullpen Blues. So it's a Phillies podcast over at Philly Sports Network, PSN Radio. Uh, we're talking all things Phillies. We normally get out two to three episodes a week. I mean, hey, Phillies are right in the middle of a playoff hunt right now. So if you're not <laughs> tuned into the Phillies right now, pop on over. We'll get you hooked up. Other than that, Scotty, again, I'm, I'm super pumped to be on the show today. Yeah, it's awesome to have you, man. And uh, I, that that podcast is off to a great start, man. Between you and KD, it's a great baseball talk, and uh, you know, keeping me keeping me up to date with the Phillies because you know, as soon as the Eagles popped up, my my focus goes directly to them. So you guys are keeping me on track over there. Um, we're just gonna dive into some you know quick Eagles talk. Uh, it was a <laughs> a disgusting loss to the Rams. I mean, it, it's it's hard to even pinpoint exactly where all the blame should go. It, it goes in so many directions. Um, but we can dive right in. Uh, I just wanted to get your takes. You know, what are what are your main things that went wrong yesterday? Then there's a lot of them. So <laughs> Yeah, there's, <laughs> all right, so there's definitely a lot that went wrong. Um, obviously, a lot of people are pointing to Carson Wentz, pointing to Doug Peterson, you know, Sean McVay outcoached Jim Schwartz. Actually, I want to start first with the defense because that was, I felt, the biggest disappointment. This is a defense that has historically fared very well against Sean McVay's offense. This is a defense that has a lot of money invested into it. And for the second straight week, in my opinion, they no-showed. Uh, you know, you have Javon Hargrave coming back. You have Derek Barnett coming back. You have all these guys. You have Nikkel Roby Coleman going up against his former team. And they didn't come to play. I mean, they spotted the Rams 21 points, essentially. Zero sacks for Fletcher Cox again. Zero sacks for Javon Hargrave. Javon Hargrave didn't even record a statistic, like not even a tackle. Yeah, I didn't, Barnett, I didn't even notice him. <laughs> Derek Barnett, zero sacks. Malik Jackson, zero sacks. Nikkel Roby Coleman got torched. Avante Maddox got torched. Uh, obviously, I mean, the linebackers, like whatever with the linebackers, like we know they suck. That's how they built this roster. They put all their money and all their investment into that defensive line, and they were nowhere to be found. I mean, they almost put up 200 rushing yards on the Eagles, almost <laughs> 200. So, yeah, a lot of things went wrong. Obviously, Wentz had an awful game. Uh, the receivers weren't great. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside was a no-show. Doug Peterson, I thought, was miserable. But to me, I got to look first at that defense because that's where most of the money's at right now. And they just they just didn't show up. They were nowhere to be found. Yeah, and uh, to your point, I mean, the defense, especially the run defense, has been our calling card for the last, you know, two, three years um, after the Super Bowl run, you know. We at least had a good run defense. And, you know, we would give up some yards in the passing game, but we would, you know, we would bend but not break. But now, they, I mean, they just broke it open. I mean, after that Miles Sanders fumble yesterday, it was all downhill. And then, of course, we, you know, we always find a way to pick ourselves back up. But then, of course, Carson throws that that miserable interception uh, into double coverage. Um, I, I don't have that much faith in Jay Joel for me to understand why he made that throw. So um, I thought that was terrible. Uh, but, yeah, the defense, I, I mean, there's there's not much you can do when, when somebody's hanging 37 on you. Uh, you're you're going to have to pass a lot. I mean, we just couldn't get stops down the stretch. Um, even I, I know we talked a little bit last week about what the Eagles needed to do on offense, but it seemed like the Rams took all of your – you know what I mean, with the misdirections, the screens. I mean, it, their offense looks exactly like what our offense should look like. Yeah, you no, know that's what I mean? a really good it, point. I mean, they were play action, <laughs> bootlegs, uh, misdirections. They did everything that the Eagles were supposed to do. And, again, like, it's frustrating that the Eagles can't be that creative because they actually have the personnel to do it. Like, you can run Jalen Rager on the sweeps. You can run John Hightower on the fake end of rounds. Like, you got Jalen Hurts out there. Like, whatever. Like, the creativity, the creativity 
personnel is there and they're not utilizing it. But again, like linking back to the defense, and I want to I want to make a point here because I wrote an article after week one about Fletcher Cox. I got a lot of pushback for that article, and I essentially said like, is it time we start worrying about him? Is it time we start worrying about Brandon Graham? Is it time we start worrying about a Malik Jackson or a Derek Barnett or these guys who were once you know crucial pieces to a Super Bowl team? In just all reality, they haven't been very good recently. Yeah. They weren't. The defense wasn't great last year. They look miserable this season. Like, at what point do we look at a team and you're like, all right, like Malcolm Brown and Darrell Henderson just hung 200 yards on you. Like, <laughs> those aren't elite <laughs> running backs. And like, we get it. The linebackers suck. Can't really point too many fingers at the secondary anymore. You got Darius Slett. Like, where's the disconnect? Is it Jim Schwartz? Is it Doug Peterson? Is it Howie Roseman? Is it the physical players themselves? Because, yeah, 37 points for as bad as Wentz played. 37 points is way, way too many points in a single. Like, yeah. You're not going to win giving up 37. No. And uh, to your point, I mean, Fletcher Cox, you know I was high on him coming into the season. I thought, you know, with all the pieces around him finally, he could have, you know, one of those monumental statistical years um, where he could really get off and nothing. I mean, literally nothing. I think he has like five tackles, um, one tackle for a loss. Just he, he, had one, I, he had one good TFL uh, during the Rams game where he broke through immediately. But other than that, he yeah. And, and so I, I'm just like, with, with Fletcher Cox, I, I saw him – a specific point in the game yesterday where I saw him getting stood up by one offensive lineman. And I, when I saw that, I was just amazed because that's not Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox – the old Fletcher Cox is a guy that demands a double team, similar to Aaron Donald. Which, kudos to that offensive line. I do want to shout them out because they did um, handle Aaron Donald very well. That, that game plan was at least set up right to where he wasn't tormenting Carson Wentz. But, um, yeah, that defensive line, like you said, there's, there's just a ton of money in there. I mean, you look at even guys like Barnett. Um, it's, he's not panning out. I mean, it's not working out. It, it, whether it's him not on the field, you know, due to health concerns or just his play because he wasn't noticeable yesterday. I mean – you you, had, you at least had Brandon Graham, you know, get a sack yesterday. He showed up a little bit, but one tackle. You know what I mean? One tackle yeah. for loss. And one even sack, then, that, that was it was a coverage sack. It was a coverage. Yeah, sack. exactly. Probably should have thrown the ball away. But yeah, I mean, like with Barnett, like if we're being real, he's just not very good. Yeah, and it was I mean, it was something we talked about in the off season. Like how many like truly good players are on that defense right now? And it sounds melodramatic and like oh, the sky's falling and like whatever. Like we're two games in, we're zero and two. Eleven percent of teams who start zero and two actually go on to make the playoffs. It's okay to hit the panic button a little bit. Yeah. But you look, you look at the defense, you even look at some – like how many like truly elite players are on this roster right now? And for me, going into the season, I was like, there's not, there's not many. So I'm not super surprised that we're having these struggles so early yeah. on. Because, I mean, if you, if you go into the season thinking about elite players, you're probably going to count Fletcher Cox in there. And he's been nothing close to elite. So if you look at that defense, who, is, who are they? What, Darius Slay and Fletcher Cox? That's, that's yeah. it. You know what I mean? Brandon Graham, too. I mean, Brandon Brandon Graham, Graham yeah. He's set to make $18 million next season. He's he's not giving you $18 million worth of production. (laughs) No. And I don't want to harp too much on the defense. Like, your two highest paid players are Carson Wentz and Fletcher Cox, and both of them completely horrible to start the season. That's why they're 0-2. But, like, it it does go both ways in the sense that, like, Carson Wentz, you're the highest paid player on offense. You need to create. He's not creating. Fletcher Cox, you're the highest paid player on defense. You need to create. You're not creating. That's why we're 0-2. Like, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I mean, we had we had Jared Goff out there looking like an all-pro. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dan Marino, man. I, I mean, great. it was insane. 
Um, do you think? Do you think with uh, Will Parks coming back, hopefully soon? Uh, do you think that that could make a difference, or is that just another? You know, I know he's not like a star, but he is a very versatile piece. I don't know if he. All the holes that I saw yesterday, there's not one person that can, you know, kind of fill in those holes. But do you think that that could help at all? Yeah, and I think it will. Will Parks is a really versatile player. Um, he played a big role in training camp from everything I saw and everything I read, everything I heard. Like, he was kind of their Malcolm Jenkins replacement in a sense. Because, like, Jalen Mills, as much as he was hyped up, you can tell he's, again, he's not very good. Yeah. So I do think Will Parks, he comes and he makes an impact. My kind of problem, and we were, we were touching on this before, is Will Parks is on a one-year deal. Jalen Mills is on a one-year deal. <laughs> Mikel Roby Coleman's on a one-year deal. Malik Jackson's likely off this team next season. You know, Fletcher Cox, he might be off this team. Derek Barnett's probably off this team next season. So, like, even if Will Parks <laughs> comes in and has the best 13 games of his life, like, so what? Like, are they really going to extend him after letting <laughs> Malcolm walk? Probably not. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I think he comes in. I think you, you can get Duke Riley off the field a little bit. You can hopefully get Nate Gary out of coverage a little bit. But – the long-term effects of someone like Will Park coming back are only so big. Yeah, that, and, and that's where I'm at. I mean, nothing's going to fix what happened yesterday. I mean, we have no linebackers, and it, and it was yeah. completely, you know, blown. It, it was completely put on, on shelf yesterday. Um, our defense looked confused. I mean, you know, I, I would see these wide receiver, you know, these wide receiver um, runs coming, you know, the slot handoff. I just saw them coming consecutively. They just kept mm. running the same plays and then, you know, just motion, using motion, confusing the defense. Nate Jerry was, you know, caught looking so many times where he's trying to catch up to the tight end. Um, it was it was just – it was amazing, honestly, because, you know, you finally got to see Sean McVay, everybody that yeah. hypes up Sean McVay. It was finally put on display against Philly. Um, I wasn't truly a believer. Honestly, I know – obviously, I know he's a, a great coach, but – I just wasn't so sure that he could be a better coach than Doug Peterson, which I'm not saying that he totally is, but, I mean, yesterday he definitely Yeah, out-coached. he outcoached him yesterday. Yeah. And you're right. Like, McVay, I was never a believer myself. I thought he was – he kind of coached like a coward at times. Yeah. He was on his game. Like, he came out, he had a game plan. They executed. Everybody was locked in. Everybody knew where they were supposed to be, and it was just easy points. They just walked down the field, easy points. Yeah. Um, so, what, as far as, like, the game yesterday, what do you think actually went right? You know, did, there, there wasn't many positives, but there were some, I, I believe, you know, between that offensive line, Miles Sanders. Um, what did you actually like that you saw yesterday? Yeah, so, I actually, you know, once we were down 21-3, I was able to kind of, like, pull myself away from the game and be like, all right, like, let's watch specific players. Let's see who's playing well, who's playing uh, worse compared to last week. You know, let me analyze this game. And I came away with three points, and you touched on two of them. The offensive line was great. Like, the offensive line was really, really good. I thought Nate Herbig, in particular, was great for the second week in a row. Like, he was good against Washington. He graded out as their highest pass blocker. On the one-mile Sanders touchdown run, it was literally Nate Herbig picking up the defensive tackle and moving him back five feet. And I was like, all right, all right, right, Nate. Like, we can rely (laughs) on that. I mean, he's huge. He's 6'4", almost 340 pounds. The dude is a mountain of a human out there. So I'm excited with him because you know Jason Kelsey is going to retire eventually. You exactly. likely move Samalu over to center. So you need a guard. And right now, I think Nate Herbig's the guy. So I was yeah, really excited with what I saw with him. On that same uh, note, Miles Sanders was great. You know, pretend the fumble didn't happen for a second. Like, right. whatever. We're just going to erase that from our memory. Uh, he was really good. And then Darius Slight. I mean, it's two weeks in a row. Darius Slight has been as good as advertised. He doesn't get beat. He keeps people in front of him. 
He doesn't get beat on the long ball. Like, he's everything you could have asked for. Now, his surrounding corners gave him zero help. Um, but Darius Slay, like, he, he's really, really good. Like, I'm very pleased with him so far. Yeah, and um, that, that's a great point. Darius Slay, you know, you don't notice that he's playing, which that's a good thing. It's a you good know, thing. For a, for, a, for a cornerback, number one cornerback. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same right there. You know, the offensive line, amazing. Having Lane back obviously helps with uh, depth and just the comfortability of Carson Wentz. I think he's more comfortable when Lane's playing. Um, obviously, like you said, Nate Herbig, that's, that's actually a pretty good sign for the future, you know, that, that something is actually working out. If Hopefully it continues, you know, hopefully those two games weren't just flute games and then he turns into a pile of crap. But, um, you know, at least somebody is panning out, you know, one of the younger uh, players. Um, we also got to see Matt Pryor in there for a little bit. Um, Jack Driscoll played a little bit as well, right? He played uh, like two snaps. He two came snaps, in yeah. And then Jason Peters has looked, looked pretty good so far as well over in uh, left tackle. So the offensive line, I, I was just excited to, you know, see that we just didn't totally fall apart again. You know, zero sacks, you know, not, not many hurries on Carson Wentz. He, he played with a pretty clean pocket considering, you know, Aaron Donald's on that defensive line as well as Brockers and a couple other guys. Um, but, yeah, Miles Sanders, obviously the fumble uh, – it, it was hard for me to measure Miles Sanders' game because I'm trying not to hold that fumble against him. But in reality, it kind of set up, you know, that initial drive for the Rams. So it kind of was a big deal. But, you know, it's his first game back, and he more than made up for it, I believe. Uh, you know, with 90, he had like 131 uh, scrimmage yards, you know, a touchdown. Uh, he was there for Wentz all day. So, so he definitely played his part. You definitely saw the bell cow. Um, type of feature back that they've been talking about all offseason. So that was exciting. And he actually looked 100%. You know, he wasn't out there hobbling. He didn't come off, you know, limping any. Um, so that was good to see him out there, you know, fully able. Um, that was one of my big worries with him coming back. Um, but, yeah, and I also uh, – I just want to point out, you know, TJ Edwards. Um, I think we do got to get him a couple – you know, some more looks on that defense. Uh, he's, he's a big effort guy. He played well last season. Um, he was able to get, you know, that, that nice strip, uh, fumble on the, on the kick, on the punt and, uh, you know, get us some life there. Uh, but I would just like us to, you know, try some different things. I mean, if Jerry isn't working, try some other guys. I know Jerry is considered our best coverage linebacker. Um, but we just, we got to try some, some different things. You drafted Davion Taylor. We got to, you know, <laughs> what's he doing? Where, is he, yeah, he's I don't, a I don't water get it. boy. Uh, yeah, he's no. a water boy. Like, I don't, I don't get it. We got to try different things. I agree. Because, again, in a perfect world, Nate, Gary, and Duke Riley aren't on the team next year because they're absolutely woeful in coverage exactly. and in the run game. Like, they're, they're just not good at anything. It's like with TJ Edwards, you know he's not great in coverage. He struggles right. in the passing game. But also, like, have they tried him in coverage yet? Like, he only played on rundowns last season. He's only played on rundowns this season. So screw it. I'm throwing him out there next week against uh, the Bengals tight end and saying, hey, do your best. If you're terrible at halftime, we'll yank you. We'll put Gary back in. But for the most part, see what you have. Because, again, he's someone that you can build forward with the future. You don't want to be building forward with Gary and Duke Riley. They're not good at football. Exactly. But if if you can find something here with TJ because you liked him enough to give him a spot on the team this season, I would would definitely hope he gets more playing time moving forward. Yeah, yeah. So – He's just one of those guys, you know, those young pieces you want to see us grow and develop. You know, that's what we have to do at this point Um, because we're, I mean, we're semi in the middle of a rebuild. And, I mean, at the end of this season, we are going to be in a full-blown 
uh, rebuild by the looks of it. Um, to your point, uh, bringing up the Bengals, I mean, I hope that this team is not sleeping on the Bengals. I hope they don't think of this as a gimme game. There's no such thing as a gimme game for the Eagles anymore. They've lost to the Washington football team. Yeah. They got blew out by the Rams. There are no gimme games. I mean, Joe Burrow could come out here and have the game of his life and beat us. It's possible. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, they have weapons on offense. They have Joe Mixon. They have Boyd. They have A.J. Green. Uh, you, I, I'm not sure. I saw Uzama got injured, the tight end. But, um, he did. They got, they got weapons out there. And uh, Joe Burrow, and, you know, based off what I've seen so far, he looks like he's going to be pretty good. Um, he's very poised. He doesn't, you know, get shook up, you know, like a Jared Goff. Mm. You know, Jared Goff got hit a couple times yesterday, and then he, 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 started like seeing, hit. he started seeing those balls hit the ground, you know, throwing it in the dirt, stuff like that. That's not Joe Burrow. You know, he'll come out, throw a pick, come down, score a touchdown again. You know, he, he doesn't think twice about it. Um, but obviously this is a game, you know, hopefully you're, you're, you're believing. If you have any belief left in the Eagles, this is where they would turn it around. Um, you know, get a bounce back game, get get some rhythm going, some chemistry on offense. Um, Bengals don't have a very good defense. You saw with the Browns, I know they have a bunch of star power, but they have not been world beaters. And they were able to get, you know, 30 plus points up on the on the Bengals. So we have to come out and, and look like a team that is serious or, or we'll, we'll look like the team that we have, which is just a total disappointment. Um, not truly a shock to, to to a lot of people, you know, but I know people in Philadelphia were high on the Eagles this year, you know, counting. And, and that's my problem with being high on the Eagles is that we are always counting on the Cowboys to flounder out. You know what I mean? It's like, we'll be all right, but we just need the Cowboys to be worse where that's not a winning organization, but that's what we've been living off of, you know, for the past couple of years is can we beat the Cowboys? Cowboys doesn't win you a Super Bowl. Cowboys doesn't put you in contending. You know what I mean? So um, I just think that's the wrong way of looking at things going forward. It's cool, you know, last year getting that division title um, with those lack of weapons around Wentz. You know, he finished out the season great. But um, this season with Wentz, it's like – which this will kind of dive into the next segment, which I was just going to ask, you know, a few of your disappointments, you know, through the first two games. Um, obviously, Carson Wentz, man. I, I mean – I'm one of his biggest defenders. You know, I, I truly believe he is a good quarterback. He has elite talent when he, when he puts it all together. Um, but it just – it's hard to not call this a regression so far. I mean, he – this is the worst he's looked, I, I think, since his, his rookie year. I mean, four interceptions through two games. That's not Carson Wentz. I mean, he's only had seven interceptions the last, what, three seasons, you know, total in each, each season. So, I'm, I'm just – I'm worried, you know, that he's he's getting mentally messed up. I'm worried that he doesn't have a coaching staff that can truly fix the issues because these are the same issues that we're seeing, you know, the the pocket awareness, um, the the overthrows. I mean, and then just the reads. I, forcing that ball to Arthega Whiteside is not – that's not a winning play, you know what I mean? That's not something that I would trust. And I don't know if that's just him too confident in himself, too confident in his teammates – but at that point in the game, I, it got to a certain point after Carson threw that interception where I'm kind of just more comfortable running the ball, honestly. Just give the ball to Miles and, and see what we get out of that. You know, <laughs> That's where I was at because I was just unsure of the decisions that Carson Wentz was making yesterday. So here, here's my thing with Carson Wentz because you mentioned regression. I don't think he's regressed. Entering into the season, I had him as the fifth best quarterback in the NFL. And I think from a pure talent standpoint, I still think he's there. 
obviously right now he would not be the fifth quarterback I would take. But I still think he's there. I think the biggest problem with Carson Wentz right now, after watching two straight games, is that he's pushing. He's pushing really, really hard. Yeah. I think there's two reasons. Number one, he knows the pressure that's around him. Okay, look, it was a stupid decision to draft Jalen Hurts. <laughs> it was an even stupider de- decision to dress him one week after Carson Wentz struggles. Carson Wentz is a human being. Would you prefer he never gets upset about having a good backup? Sure. But Tom Brady got real upset when Jimmy G was behind him. He got so upset that they traded Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, this is a human emotion to have where Carson Wentz knows he hasn't finished a full season in a while. You know, the the cheap shot wasn't his fault last year, but he knows the stigma behind him. He knows that Howie Roseman went and drafted a quarterback. And before you know it, he's now being put in a situation where he's got all these rookie weapons around him, a meh offensive line, you know, playing a good Rams team in week two after a disappointing week one performance, he's pushing really, really hard. And that's where you see the inaccurate throws, the bombs and the double coverages, uh, not taking sacks when he should just throw the ball away. He's pushing really, really hard. And that kind of bleeds into the second point where I think the people around him don't have his best interest in mind. I think Doug Peterson by himself is a really good coach. I don't think Doug Peterson is all in on Carson Wentz. I think Howie Roseman by himself is a pretty good general manager. He's proven he's not in on, all, all in on Carson Wentz by drafting yeah. Jalen Hurts. So you have the two most important people in front of Carson Wentz not fully in on Carson Wentz. So now you just have this messy situation where he's pushing, he's feeling all this pressure, and the people around him are kind of like, uh, we're not so sure about you, buddy. And it's leading to a lot of careless mistakes. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's the perfect description of what you're seeing from Carson. Um, obviously, we know that he can perform, you know, at an elite level. We've seen it, you know, countless times over the last, you know, four seasons. And and to your point, you know, Carson goes out, wins that division last year, and then we draft a quarterback in the second round. You know, that doesn't if I'm if I'm Carson Wentz, that does not make sense to me. You know what I mean? I'm I'm calling Howie as soon as you make that pick. You know, I didn't have anybody to throw to <laughs> like yeah. the last you know, half of the season, I had literally nobody to throw to besides, you know, four string guys from the practice squad. And you guys are drafting a quarterback, you know, and then making him run, which, mind you, I did like the Jalen Hurts plays. I thought that they were great decoy plays and they it's did fun, net positive like- yards. But, you know, as Carson Wentz, it's like, do you want to run those plays, like these gadget plays, if you feel that you're an elite level quarterback? You know, he, he feels like he should he should be counted on. So, you know, when, when we're just doing that gimmicky type of stuff, I, I feel like it just discredits Carson Wentz and what he's able to do. Um, and I, I, I agree with you. I think he's pushing it. I mean, you saw it a couple times where he just tries to thread the needle, thinks he can fit a ball. You know, it, it's like that classic, you know, Brett Favre, you know, just slinging mm-hmm. it, just trying to make something happen. And uh, that's what's turning into a lot of these interceptions, man. Um, I think ultimately, you know, Carson can get it together. Uh, these guys just got to gather around him and, you know, let them let him know that they, that he is their leader. He needs to also step up himself, be more vocal um, and, and, you know, hold these guys accountable. I mean, guys dropping passes, that, that can't happen. But if, if you're sitting there overthrowing them, then they're going to look at you. Well, you know, stop overthrowing me. So they got to come together, find that that equal ground and, um I did like the way they got Jalen Rager the ball in some open, more open space type of opportunities this weekend. Um, I think they should continue, you know, to get him more involved in that offense. I like what I see from him. Uh, he get, he gets popped, you know, he gets right back up. He came back really quick from that that shoulder injury. 
I mean, he just seems like a tough guy, a tough kid, and and I think he's he could be something special. Um, it's just you know, it's similar to like an Aguilar and and a couple of these other guys. It's like, are we going to use him right? You know what I mean? Or are we going to still keep trying with guys like JJ? You know, who are like you said, he's a, he's a scratch. Like, what what did he do yesterday other than cause an interception? I mean, I, I I don't understand what he's on the field for. I'd rather have a guy like John Hightower out there running that route. Like, there, there's younger, like younger, faster guys, more skilled guys that I would rather see on the field than him. And um, I just, you know, you, you look at it and we watched the Seattle game last night on primetime, DK Metcalf. It, it, it's just a shame that we overthought the process. You know what I mean? Everybody would have picked DK Metcalf over JJ Arthur Whiteside. That's like how he's staying is he always feels like he's the smartest guy in the room. You know, he thinks he's always, you know, one step ahead. And uh, I think it's it's costed us a couple times now, you know, detrimentally. I, that, that it, you know, the Jalen Hurts uh, thing, like what – a quarterback factory? We can't even get our starting quarterback to perform at an elite level, yeah. let alone, you know, a, a second-string guy that was not even supposed to be drafted in the second round. Well, and I think it's the fifth major decision Howie has made in the last two seasons that's really – set this team backwards. I thought, you know, I thought the Andre Dillard pick, it looked great when it first happened. It looks kind of like a disaster at the moment. You know, he's not really going to debut until his third <laughs> season. That's tough. Or a Sega Whiteside pick, you know, whatever. He's a complete bust. Uh, then you come into this year, the Jalen Hurts pick. What are we doing? The Davion Taylor pick. What are we doing? And then I thought, and people aren't going to like this, I thought the Javon Hargrave signing made very little sense at the time. I thought it was an overcorrection. I thought they were so desperate for defensive tackle depth that they felt you know, paying $40 million for a defensive tackle when you don't have a backup running back, you don't have a starting linebacker, you don't have a legit second corner, you don't have an elite edge rusher on the outside. Like, there was a lot of holes in how he threw $40 million at a nose tackle. Well, we saw that. We saw what the result was uh, yesterday against the Rams. The Rams didn't care about our defensive line. They just threw out <laughs> our linebackers. So I think it's the fifth, you know, kind of really yikes decision from Howie Roseman recently that is not only hurting Carson Wentz and then causing Carson Wentz to press. Because something we didn't even talk about was the Zach Ertz situation. They're yeah. forcing Carson Wentz, is, uh, his best friend, out of the building. Like, they're forcing him out. He's going to be gone at the end of the year. That's, that's, I mean, like we know. It's, it's almost yeah. like written in stone that this is his last yeah. year as a Philadelphia Eagle. That's not sitting well with Wentz either. So now, again, you have a quarterback who's pressing. All the roster moves around him make very little sense and are only making his life more difficult. And now you're 0-2, and it's not hard to connect the dots as to, you know, why everything's happening the way it's happening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, to your point about the Zach Ertz thing, I mean, it's honestly a shame. I, I, I mean, I just I, – I get the business side of it. I do. And, and, I, and I obviously I see Goddard's progression this season. I mean, he, he looks like a stud. Um, I did – I even – and to that point, I did see him getting guarded by Jalen Ramsey a few yeah. times yesterday. So I thought that was pretty interesting that they would, you know, take their number one, you know, highest paid corner in the league and put him on our tight end too, you know, which maybe Goddard is our tight end one now. Who knows what's he's, going on? He's our wide moment. receiver one at the moment. Right, <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, it's, it, with that Ertz situation, man, you're just kind of seeing him get phased out. He's, he's not the number one option on a lot of plays anymore. Um, very, it's very spread out when you see – you never see like an Ertz takeover mm -hmm. like you saw last season. Um, where he just strings off a couple uh, receptions in, in one drive, you know what I mean? 
So you can see they're trying to get the wide receivers more involved. They're, they're getting Goddard more involved, more, more setup plays for Goddard. Um, I haven't even seen, you know, a screen ran for Zach Ertz. We used to run, you know, little misdirection screens for Ertz. None of that. I mean, stuff to get him going, you know what I mean? Yep. Get him involved, get that chemistry flowing. And uh, it's just a shame because you do, you have to wonder behind all of this, um, you know, the, the plays that are drawn up to go to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, are these just, you know, PR plays for Howie, you know, to make, you know, get, get my guys some touches, you know what I mean? Is he just stressing this to the coaching staff? Is this, you know, starting down – and maybe that's all conspiracy, you know, maybe not. I, I, actually, I actually don't think it's conspiracy but, at all. But, I mean, it makes sense, right? I, I mean, the very why else first, would we force it to that guy? The I, very first end zone play we ran in 2020 was a design slant for J.J. Arcega-Whiteside across the middle. Now, granted – he was covered because he can't right. get open, so went right. through it behind him to Zach Ertz. Right. That's not by mistake. Why the heck would J.J. Arcega-Whiteside be your very first end zone target of the entire season if it wasn't to be a PR move where Howie can say, look, yeah. hey, he's breaking out. Like, he's here. Like, good training camp, touchdown. Like, no, it is designed. Yeah. And Doug got all upset in the press conference this morning about Wentz targeting Arcega-Whiteside. I'm like, I'm sure people are telling him to throw some jump balls to Arcega-Whiteside. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't a great throw, but, like, if he can't make the play, why is he on the field? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, 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 it's very funny, man. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's very funny, and, and that's not the way to do business, man. No. It's not a good look moving forward, you know, as far as Howie and uh, just some of the things that have come out of the locker room, you know, the last couple seasons um, with Malcolm, you know, even Skandrick. I know we don't believe it much that Skandrick says – but, I mean, he's just another guy that left that team mm. and had something bad to say about the locker room and about Howie Roseman. So, um, I mean, there's just not a lot of positivity flowing around this team right now. Um, and, and I thought it was crazy, you know, coming into the season against Washington, who's coming off an offseason of just complete turmoil. And it's almost like we, you know, with our returning head coach, our returning, you know, elite quarterback – we thought we would have control of the division, you know, maybe compete with Dallas, but we're looking like one of the worst teams. I know the Giants just lost Saquon, but we are looking like one of the worst teams in the division, and, and it's just crazy to think about. Um, so we already touched on uh, on a couple of the disappointments. Obviously, the defensive line, we already talked about how much money is into that line. Um, I also think, you know, the fact that our defense just is not opportunistic. We don't get turnovers. Zero, zero uh, turnovers outside zero of turnovers. a special teams uh, fumble. And I thought, you know, that new improved secondary mixed with that defensive line that could bring pressure. I thought we would, you know, be a turnover machine. None of that, you know, against some not the greatest offenses in the NFL. I mean, you look at that Washington football team, that is a horrid offense. I mean, they, they look – they got crushed they, by Arizona. They're not good. And, and, and you got – and, you know, Terry McLaurin's getting locked up by Darius mm-hmm. Slay. So, what, what is the problem? I mean, it's, it's disappointing to say the least. The run defense is now lacking. So, um, that's definitely a big disappointment. Uh, we'll jump into surprises, and then I'll, uh, I'll get you out of here. Um, obviously, uh, my biggest surprise – it wasn't necessarily a surprise because I was preaching it all offseason. Uh, Dallas Goddard's ready. Um, He's ready to be, you know, used to his full, you know, full capabilities. He's getting a lot of targets. He leads the team in targets. He's their leading receiver in general. Like you said, he's wide receiver one right now. And um, that's, that's just something – that's that's the one thing that is, you know, really sticking out to me right now. 
Um, we got a, a couple of young pieces that are looking all right on the offensive line. That's that's kind of exciting. You just hope that they can keep that up. Um, but Dallas Goddard is the one guy that is just really sticking out, and uh, that's not that's not doing any you know justice for Zach Ertz's situation either. So. Uh, no, and, and you were really on that hype. Like, you were one of the first people I felt this offseason who was very vocal in saying Dallas Goddard's a tight end one. Most people were high on Dallas Goddard. It's not hard to watch him until he's extremely gifted. Right. You were, you were really one of the first people to say, no, 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 like, he's, he's top five material, and he's looked that part through two weeks. Yeah. I mean, he's a freak athlete. He's a good route runner, great blocker. Like, he's, he's really good. He's one of the few guys on offense, you know, him and Miles Sanders and Jalen Rager that you can be really excited about going forward because he's good. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Has any, anything caught your eye? Anything good, you know, just uh, surprisingly good? Yeah, so I have, I have a lot of bad surprises, but we'll try to keep it positive <laughs> to, to end out the podcast. Um, so my biggest one, um, and I talked on it earlier, was Nate Herbig. Like, I think he's actually a piece to this team moving forward. Uh, just, I mean, it's only through two games, but that's all I have to, to watch of him at the moment. Yeah. Like, he looks like a guy. Like, he looks like a guy who's bought into Jeff Stoutland's offensive line philosophies. Jeff Allen's a really good offensive line yeah. coach. He's developed some, you know, big V's, his big success story. And, you know, he kind of missed with Jordan Mailata and Matt Pryor doesn't look as good as we all thought. But I think Nate Herbig is going to be his next big success story because he has the physical attributes. If you can get him a little bit better in pass protection, the dude is a mammoth on yeah. runs up the middle. Like, he just yeah. eats up space. Like, Aaron Donald's a freak. <laughs> and Nate Herbig made Aaron Donald look small. Right. So, like, I'm very in on this kid. I'm excited to watch another 14 games of him because uh, I think he'll be a player moving forward. Yeah, and, and yeah, to your point, that's, that's great for the offensive line. Um, as we mentioned, have, we have missed on so many draft picks um, on that offensive line. So if we could get a guy like Herbig, who we didn't really expect much from, mm-hmm. uh, to pan out somewhat, you know, just to be a serviceable starter would be great, especially for our salary cap situation, yeah, everything yeah. moving forward. Um, we need guys like that to pan out. Uh, we will close the episode out. Um, just one quick question. Uh, we've talked about it briefly. Uh, but how close are the Eagles to being the Philadelphia 76ers as far as everything, you know, surrounding the team, the fit, surrounding your stars with, with the right talent? You know, how close are we to that, that turning point? Okay, so we, we've been texting about this throughout the week. And Scotty, <laughs> I got bad news. My take has evolved. I actually think the Sixers are in a better situation. Oh, my God. And, like, people, <laughs> people are going to hate that. I think the Sixers are in a better situation. Okay, here's the thing. Look, Sixers front office is wildly dysfunctional. I think the Eagles front office is trending in that direction where some guys are going to get fired at the end of the season. Um, here's my thing with the Sixers. They have two legitimate top 20 players in the NBA. I mean, Ben Simmons just made All-NBA third team. That puts him top 15. Joel Embiid has made All-NBA second teams in the past. They have two legitimate top 20 players. As long as they have those two guys, they will always be in the mix to make the playoffs. Yeah. The Eagles at the moment, I don't think they have two top 20 players at all. I thought Carson Wentz was in that discussion. It's hard to see it right now. Eagles don't have two top 20 uh, <laughs> players in the NFL. So as, as horrible as the Sixers have been managed – they're still going to be in the playoffs every single season as long as they have those two. Whereas the Eagles, it's like, what are we doing here? Like, who's, who's the super exciting, bright, young, Ben Simmons-esque star that the Eagles have? Then he's not there. So yeah. that's kind of – I know it's like maybe a little, <laughs> little, a little overdramatic. Really no, I mean, it's, it's more eye-opening than anything. I mean, when you put it that way, I mean, 
I just think about the Eagles and, you know, all the pieces that they've missed on. We don't have any star wide receivers. You know, you pray that Jalen Rager can turn into that. Mm -hmm. You pray on it. But it's not promised. I mean, nothing nothing is promised at this point uh, with as far as who we draft. Um, the offensive line, there's no studs that we drafted. All of them have came through. I mean, we drafted Lane Johnson. That was like, you know, yeah, nine, was ten a years long ago. Time ago. You know, these so, I mean, exactly. So, you know, you look at other guys that we brought in, like Jason Peters. He was a free agent when we brought him in. Uh, obviously, we've had him for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, Brandon, Brandon Brooks. Brooks. Big one, yeah. yeah, but um, – we just miss on a lot of guys. You know, you look around the league, these these elite defenses, mm -hmm. they all have premier pass rushers, like yeah. guys that you are scared of when you come to play them. And I feel like our line, it used to be Fletcher Cox, but he's not that guy anymore. And, I mean, when you talk to even opposing, you know, um, uh, analysts, you know, of yeah. teams and, and of their teams – they're not scared of Fletcher Cox. They don't come in, you know, talking about Fletcher Cox, like, oh, we got to control Fletcher. They're not worried about our defensive line, as is, is weird as that is. Um, but no, – like, like a scary exercise I did was, like, who on the defense is, like, the next young star? On the, like, let's assume we trade Fletcher Cox this offseason, which, which yeah. probably won't happen. Let's assume, like, who's, who's the next man up? Like who's the, who's the young blossoming star on the defensive side of the ball? There's nobody and, there. And if you if you like are hoping, I know there's a lot of people that are really high on Javon Hargrave. That's another mm -hmm. free agent signing. That's not yeah, our drafted player. We money. didn't develop him. He has to be good because he's making. Yeah, sense. exactly. Yeah. So I mean, to your point, you know, Josh Sweat. Everybody's loving him right now, but he's not taking over the NFL. I mean, we don't have any guys like that. And and to your point, there's we're lacking star power. We're going to trade away Ertz, you know, or whatever we do with Ertz. That's one of our stars. So yeah. who are we replacing him? You know, Dallas Goddard, he could blossom into that tight end one, you know, a, a very good tight end, top five potential, I, I believe, um, just by his abilities. But, um, you know, that's the one star you're hanging your hat on, you know what I mean? And he's and you're getting rid of the other star. So you, it, it's just – it's not looking good. I mean, if we flounder out this season – then we're, we're going to be in hell. I mean, because these players that we have, if they don't turn up and, and actually produce, we're not going to be able to get rid of them. We're not going to be able to trade. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, we're losing value on all of these guys because it's getting to the point where if Fletcher Cox doesn't show up with this defensive line, who's going to want to trade for that contract? You know what I mean? Like, who mm -hmm. wants that? I mean, unless, it, you know, obviously there's contenders out there, but you're going to get little in return for him. I mean, you're not going to get much on that contract. Uh, yeah, when they're just definitely... using them as a plug-in piece, you know what I mean? So yeah, you're not getting like a first-round pick back for them at this exactly. Stage. And it, and and it's just a very bleak. You, you're wondering about Carson Wentz now. You're wondering what the Eagles are thinking about Carson Wentz. You're wondering, you know, the Jalen Hurts. That's a lot of ridiculous it's, stuff. It was a mouthful. On, and it's a mouthful. It is. It is, man. And uh, I thought the Sixers were in a terrible spot, you know, but. They get some shooters in there, and, and maybe, you know, that they're looking all right if they can just get some yeah. shooters around Ben and, and Joel, you know. So that's not impossible. But what the Eagles are looking at is, is borderline impossible. You can't just create stars overnight. It doesn't happen. And uh, these drafts have cost us, man. It's just such a depressing. <laughs> hey, the good news is if, if we bottom out and we get, like, a top ten pick, like maybe we get Micah Parsons, then everything will be okay. We'll, we'll yeah, be, we'll see. Be It'll be okay. And, 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 you know, it's sad that we're thinking about top 10 picks, but I mean, if this season goes the wrong way, man, it, it could turn into that surprisingly or not, you know, it could turn into that.
So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I hope it doesn't turn out like that. I hope it, you know, we turn this thing around. A lot uh, of football. Schedule's, we still got schedule's tough. So we will see. Um, real quick, we'll get you out of here. What's your uh, prediction for the Bengals-Eagles game? So I, I've, I've lost my last two predictions. I predicted the Eagles to win the last two games. So I'm going to predict the Eagles to lose, but solely so to jinx them because I <laughs> low-key think they're going to win this one. Um, so we'll say, I don't know, 23-17 Bengals. Some mind games in there. Got you. I, I like it, man. I like <laughs> it. Um, I'll definitely uh, – I got I to think about it. I'm not sure yeah. I'm on my pick just yet. I really like Joe Burrow, man. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm not excited. I'm not sure about this one, but I think it is a game where we bounce back and uh, we should win it. But yeah, we, we've been scheduled. To, we've been favorites in our last two, so we it's see true. how those turned out. Uh, I want to thank you, man, for coming on the show. It's been awesome. Uh, always a pleasure to talk sports with you, man. You got you got so much good knowledge going on there. You got a lot of hot takes. <laughs> that I'm, I'm picking up on, man. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling them. I, I, I'm seeing what you're seeing right now. And uh, as, as bad as uh, Eagles fans don't want to believe some of this stuff, it's, it's happening. Change is happening. And uh, a lot of fans don't like it. You know, I tell people, you know, Ertz situation isn't uh, good. Hey, it's not looking good. Uh, hey, Scotty. Uh, I, you don't have to believe me, but, yeah, believe. I'll get you out of here, man. Hey, I appreciate uh, you, you. Yeah, appreciate you so much having me on. It's always a pleasure catching up and talking. Of course, man. Of course. If you just want to plug in your your podcast one more time, then we'll we'll let you go. Yeah, uh, bullpen blues on PSN Radio. So if you just search up PSN Radio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it'll be there. You can also get me on Twitter at David Esser underscore. You can find that there. But again, hey, Scotty, you're doing great things with the show. Everybody, subscribe. Hit that button down below. Uh, it's really it's really going in the right direction here. All right, brother. Thank you for coming on. Uh, you have a good one, man. Philly, thanks for watching, listening. Hopefully we can turn it around, man.